So, um, I've entitled today's sermon, as we turn to the book of Joshua, if you'll turn to Joshua chapter 13, 14, just around that area there. I've entitled it this, Christ first. If you can imagine the old uh, Uncle Sam sort of figure in the American hat and everything with the hand. Christ first, calling all giant killers. Christ first, calling all giant killers. I wonder how many of you know that X1 has been here at View Cinema one year today. Yeah, happy birthday us. And can I say this in relation to the book we've been studying for over 24 weeks now. What a journey it's been. We've certainly seen some Jerichos get taken down. We've had our share of attacking I with the wrong attitude and needing to seek the Lord only for Him to reveal issues in our heart and in our motives and then tackle I again, seeing His great victory on our behalf. For some of you, and I say this with all my heart as your pastor and as someone who genuinely loves you, particularly the worship and PA teams, the Transformers and Setup teams and Crash team, it is felt that we've done some all-night marches Try to get back to Gilgal and sit down to rest, only to see that we need to jump straight back up again and fight again, serving the mission of X1 as we try and fulfill Christ's mandate to us to make disciples. And I want to thank every one of you for your efforts. There have been times, and I know certain people, you heard me share my heart two weeks ago, and I'm going to share it again. When I see the labor and effort put in by individuals to get us kicked off by 10 o'clock, which is when we start and when God joined us today... And I see people rocking up so late. It just upsets me. Because I know the effort and the passion put in to make sure that when you step into this room, you are aware that God is with us. So I'm going to ask you to work on that. But to those of you, Transformers teams, particularly PA team, you guys, you've gone and thought, great, we've done an all-night march. This guy's taken us to take this battle. We've beaten up the, the kings of, South, of the Southern Coalition. Can we go back to Gilgal and just sit down? Can we not have to get here at 8.30 a.m. and get everything ready? Do we not have to take everything home to get pat tested so that we can actually use it in the cinema? Do we not have to, again, get the right yellow wristbands ready? Think about what we need to put together. Get those kids gathered so that we've got them ready to take them out so they can be blessed by going to Gambardo and seeing the power of God in their lives. Can we just take a break? No, let's get up and fight again. Because we want to see what God's got for us. We want to take the land that God has promised us as a church. Can I ask a real big favor of each of you? You always go, oh, please, I'm not sure what he's like. Well, those of you who came from Queen's School and joined us here on May the 10th, 2009, would you please stand? May the 10th, 2009, who was with us? Okay, May the 10th, 2009. Fantastic, Sid's uh, standing in spirit. Okay, great. Can I ask you to be seated? Would those of you, if you don't mind, and if you're a visitor, you don't have to stand up today, but it'd be great if you did. Those of you who've joined us since then, would you please stand? Thank you so much. If you want to take a seat. God has been so faithful. He has gone before us. He has honored our faith our hopefully Christ-centered strategy, and he's honored a lot of fighting and serving. And hear me loud and clear this morning, X1. We can be absolutely certain he will continue to do so. There's no doubt about that. He will continue to go before us and to be a part of us. And this morning, I'd like to look at Joshua 13 and 14 and draw out some features um, and go through the sermon that I'd love us to take communion together. Um, 
But I want to draw out some features and principles that I believe are very important to us, both as a church corporately at the moment, but also as individuals, I really hope. Um, so let's, let's just do that. Um, Joshua 13 and 14, Aaron, Aaron didn't get to, get, get to mention this, but Joshua 13 is an unbelievable transition point in the book of Joshua. It is a very strong transition point in Joshua. In fact, a young New Frontiers preacher based in Johannesburg, South Africa, whose church has grown from 400 to 6,000 in uh, two years, uh, uh, PJ Smythe, says this, Joshua 13 is the massive changeover. Up to now, it has been together. Let's do this together, Joshua and all the Israelites. Let's do this together to destroy the enemy. This is now, from Joshua 13 on, each tribe claims what is theirs. There's a massive transition, 13 changes. And I want to explain why this is important to see this morning. Because this was the best way to hold on to the land they had already conquered. Get that. This is the best way to hold on to the land they've already claimed. But just as important, if you look at Joshua 13 verse 1, it says this. Again, the Israelites... Oh, I'm in Judges 13 verse 1, which is uh, very um, yeah, painful. Um, the book of Judges starts by they all started chasing their own gods. So let's get back to Joshua 13. We're still exciting. And Joshua 13 verse 1. They have done some serious whooping. Okay? There is a list of over 30 kings. One, 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 one. Oh, got him, done him. Oh, yeah, that was a big guy that lived up. Yeah, we got him. Da, da, da. They're all be taken out. And you think, whoa, we have seriously kicked some. Okay, I've got to watch out with a new microphone. We have done well. We have been faithful. And the Lord says this to Joshua. One, he tells him he's old. But he also says this in Joshua 13, verse 1. The Lord said to him, you are very old. That's old. And there are still very large areas of land. To be taken Amen. it ain't done <laughs> we're in we've done a heck of a lot but there's a lot more land to be taken Amen. says the lord to joshua and this was the way to see the land flourish to all its potential and to take more land was to divide the land into the tribal inheritance so this was the way to see it flourish. This is the way to, there needed to be a change to see the land not only be guarded and protected, but to see more land taken. You see, in order to hold the land that the Lord had so faithfully given them, and in fact to take more land, and to see the land bear most fruit, listen to this, people or tribes needed to be set in place. Let me explain They've left Gilgal. They're starting to spread to the north. They've left Gilgal. They've crossed over the River Jordan. And they're all, two and a half million of them, however, they're all up in the north, still doing some damage and still taking the land God's given to them. And an enemy comes in in the south and starts taking all the land behind them. That would be silly. So Joshua, with the grace and the vision of the Lord, says, it's time to change this. We cannot. We cannot look after, protect, and take more land. If we still try and do this together, it's time to set tribes in place. And bringing us back to the life of X1 now, it is important that we see this truth played out in our midst this morning. And that the journey of the Israelites, I believe, is replicated amongst us. A year in, we've been here a year. I'm not saying we've only been in existence a year, but God has been significantly working as a part of us in this year. And I feel there's things that need to be replicated as a body. To hold the land we've already taken, 
In other words, to care for those who've joined us and to do each thing in the life of the church, not only well, but even better than we've done already. Okay? To see this land bear fruit and blossom. In other words, we need to see new ministry initiatives. We need to see new areas of ministry opened up. The ministry team grow to flourish and truly just bring ministry to those who are hurting in our midst. Teenage ministry, ministry to, to, to marriages, ministry to the poor, so forth, so forth, so forth. To see this land bear fruit and blossom. And to take more land, to see evangelism and growth. We want to continue growing. One of the things the Lord said to me while I was away in, um, in Scotland was, <laughs> be deliberate about growth. There's a mission to fulfill. You see, we can be very apologetic about growth, especially if you're English. We're apologetic about singing and apologetic about clapping. I noticed that again this morning. Don't be apologetic. Be deliberate. Be passionate about those things. But I felt the Lord say, be deliberate about growth. There's a mission to fulfill and there's lost people to be saved. Be deliberate. And so we're going to be. But to see us take more land, to see evangelism, to see growth, to see more spiritual breakthrough in the lives of those that join us. We must see a change in our ministry approach. The same preacher I quoted earlier said, This is pivotal to any ministry. This moment we see reflected in Josh, we see written in Joshua 13, to hold on to, to bring more fruit, and to take more land is pivotal to any ministry. In fact, he said something and he made this allusion, and I'll let you think about how uncanny. It is. He says this while he's preaching. 2007 at our conference, there's about 4,500 people there. He's preaching away and then he says, for example, if, any, if your church has now got to 100, we have 102 regular attenders at X1 from 48 when we moved here. And two elders can't do it. You need to, if you're going to, if we're going to hold and cultivate what we've taken, we need to divide up the land to hold and to take more land. Well, you can imagine me, I remember listening to the sermon in 2007, and obviously that wasn't my context then, but this is our context. This is, it's almost striking that as our exact scenario. We're 100 people, there's two of us as elders, and we're very aware that for God to take us to the next level, for God to do what He wants to do, and we've got a big vision, and we're sure that God wants to do great things amongst us, there needs to be this pivotal moment in our ministry. And he goes on to make this comment. And this is where you need to just open up your ears a little more. I don't know how you open your ears. I don't know why we even get told, open your ears. Right? <laughs> They're open. It's not like open your mouth or open your eyes. Your ears are kind of... Show more attention. Listen to this as he said this. The thrill of this, the thrill of this option of dividing and giving authority and giving areas of land to, 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 to possess and to cultivate and to see blossom and to see flourish. The thrill of this is that I've got my own inheritance within our inheritance. I've got something to do. I've got joy to have. I've got fruit to bear. I've got ministry to bring amidst the hour. That's the thrill of this. Do you, like me, see the exhilarating reality of that? Let me explain. As long as your desire for my, this is quintessential. As long as your desire for my, what can I do? Where do I get to bear fruit? Where do I get to change lives and see gospel breakthrough? To see children's lives change as I minister to them? To see teenagers' whole philosophy of life change? To see broken marriages restored? To see people possessed and, 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 and demonized change? Where, where do I get to do that? As long as the my is a humble, selfless part of our, then you get to give 
to do, to participate, and to revel in all the rewards. That exhilarates me. And it's not just because I get to be a public guy or anything like that. Probably more and more in the life of this church, you're probably going to see more and more people ministering because there's more and more gift coming amongst us. But the exhilarating, the thrill of this is that I get my own inheritance within our inheritance. And as long as my, I want to change lives, I want to, is submitted to our, we're on a mission. We've got a vision to fulfill. Then bring it on. Bring it on. You see what this does is it counteracts three destructive things. Consumerism. Some of us are consumers. Most of us are consumers because we're from a very consumer culture. And we can bring this into church. Tragically, sometimes we can bring this into church. I'm only here to sit back, enjoy the ride, and eat of the fat and the fruit of the land. Okay, guys, I wasn't actually referring to you particularly. You don't have to walk out. I wasn't actually saying anything about you guys. Some of us can be like that. And this counteracts it. If you realize that there's a part for you to play, if you realize there's something you can do, there's something you can revel in the rewards of seeing changed lives, it counteracts that consumerism. It also counteracts something called HQism or controlism, which breeds passivity. In other words, someone else will do it. The guys that are paid or the guys that are in charge or the big guys, they'll do it. We'll just sit back. It, it, it breaks that. It, it stops HQism and controlism. It means, you know, that we've got to hand over control. I don't know if you noticed, the welcome was done by an individual for one of the first times ever in the life of our church that wasn't an elder. Can I say what that meant for me? And can you see what, do you know what else it meant for me? He's far better at doing it than I am. I could tell that instantly. I'm going to say it. He's far better. Okay? It stops controlism. I've got to be in control. No, Dan, you can't. No, no, no. I love saying this a little bit. Okay. It stops that. It stops that. It stops it. And do you know what else? It stops frustration. Can I tell you about my Friday? 7.30, young man, two and a half hours, just talking about what God's doing in his life, wanting to be a part of things, wanting to be involved in this. 12.30, another young man, certain guy leading us in worship today, talking about his dreams, his visions, his passion. What it is to be a man that honors his fiance. Great. Done. 2.30. 3 o'clock. Another young man walks through the door. Involved in this and this and that. That was my Friday. Just being with young men and going, okay, <laughs> these guys are ready to run and to serve and to chase Jesus and to give all they can. And you kind of go, okay, <laughs> how do we deal with this? Sunday and excavate young men and women. There are a couple of... Uh, Older generational types, and then just this brood of young people shouting and screaming for Jesus. And you know what this does? Dividing up the land, it stops us. There's nothing for me to do. And these great gifted individuals coming in going, I see this as an elder-run church and no one else gets to do anything. The pastor got his hands in everything and he can't let go. I'm out. It stops that. I pray. So take this to heart. This must be devoid of unhealthy individualism. This is not about my. This is about my submitted to our. Okay, so we must avoid unhealthy individualism. This is about, listen to this, this is about excellent servant leadership at every level. Not just structure, but about people with right hearts, right mindsets, right motives, and right attitudes. Hopefully you are sitting on the edge of your seat itching to find out what these people are like 
and to see if you're one of them. That's what this is about. This isn't about structure. It is about structure, but it's about excellent servant-hearted leadership at every level of a ministry. Someone point out a man to you that I think in this passage of scripture gives us some serious clues as to what this type of individual is like that takes on their bit of land within the community of land and sees it blossom and bear fruit and makes a radical change in that area of church life. Let's turn to um, Joshua 14. Let me just read some bits of it as we, as we get going. Now these are the areas the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel allotted to them. It talks about the inheritance being assigned by Lot. And Moses had granted the two and a half tribes their inheritance east of the Jordan. So the Israelites, verse 5, divided the land just as the Lord had commanded. Verse 6, now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised that day. Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. 85 year old Caleb. What do I get to do? Where do I get to minister? How do I get into the land that I know God has promised me to see fruit born, born <laughs> to see change, to see new land taken? Let me know because I want my mountain. 85 years old. I'm still as vigorous today as those days. That day 40 years ago. Let me just quickly take an aside. At the beginning of Joshua 14, I see a beautiful example of biblical leadership that we try to model. Of course, not always perfectly, <laughs> I assure you, at X1. And what you see here, if you look at the first four verses of Joshua 14, is you see an intertwining of visionary leadership. Joshua, there's land to take. God has spoken to him. There's land to take. He knows the land that there is to take. So you've got the visionary leader. And it's intertwined. With spiritual leadership, you've got spiritual leadership. You've got Eleazar the priest, seeking the Lord, taking the lots. In other words, seeking God for His revelation as to who goes, as to what goes to who, and which is Christ-centered, waiting on guidance and revelation and prayerful. That's part of what we hope to bring to our leadership here. Lord, what are you saying to us? Lord, where are you taking us? Lord, what's next? Lord, how do we minister into the situation? And team leadership. You see the tribal leaders unified to seek God's purpose. Visionary leadership, spiritual leadership, and team leadership. That is what we believe leadership is about. Vision, spiritual servant-heartedness, 
and team. That's what we're about. And you see that here. But in the midst of this gathering, some seasoned warrior shouts, Where's my mountain? Now this my may sound like a swear word to many of us. But let, let's just look at this 85-year-old man, Caleb. And at the various aspects of his life to see why his demands are virtuous and why they honor God. We meet this man when he's a lot younger and far less battle-scarred in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. You can turn there if you want. But in Numbers 13, Moses chooses 12 men, heads of each tribe, to go and search out the land of Canaan and to see what it's like. And so they go, they cross into the land of Canaan, and they come back with this report. Okay, they come back. So they went up and explored the land, Numbers 13. They came back to Moses, verse 26, and Aaron and the whole Israelite community. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which he sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev, the Hittites and so forth. Then Caleb, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. You move on to verse 14, and he says this. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And here he is 40 years later. His life is bedded in the truth. This truth. God will honor his end of the covenant. And will reward our faithfulness. My friends if you're here this morning. Sometimes wondering when is this going to end. What's this all about. God will honor his end of the covenant. There will be eternal joyous glorious life. There will be every spiritual blessing in Christ. Because he's promised that. Just remain faithful. And God, Caleb stands and says, I know what God promised all those years ago. And I'm ready to do everything necessary to claim what is promised to me. And you see what happens? Joshua blesses him. At the end of Joshua 14, Joshua blesses him. Okay, and says to him this, Joshua 14. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as inheritance. Why was Joshua so willing to bless him? Because that's very important to us. If you're one of those individuals that wants to slay giants and wants to serve the mission of Christ first and receive your inheritance as part of the hour, we need to know why was Joshua one of these men? What, what was it about him? So I've introduced you to an outstanding warrior. Now I want to give you the profile of an outstanding warrior. Firstly, he was a man of faith. He was a man of faith. He was a man of faith. Keep going on, you'll see it. Caleb trusted God's promises. If you look in Joshua 14, verse 6, he says, The word. Lord, the, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God. In verse 10, he says, Now then, just as the Lord promised, 
And again he says, as the Lord said to Moses. And again in verse 12 he says, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised. Caleb trusted God's promises. Four times Caleb hammers home this point. God said, God has promised and I believe it. Way back when we first meet him, these words are left ringing in our ears back in Numbers 14. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Caleb must have had such a big Godder view of the mighty Yahweh and believe that if God is who he says he is, and if he continues to be with us in the same way as he has always been, then who can stand against us? If God is who he says he is, and he continues to be with us the way he's already been with us, then who is going to stand against us? It rings Romans 8. If Christ is for us, who's going to be against us? Although it may feel like it and the storms may come and the waves may rock and we may get battered against the rocks, we will not have to fall because Christ will be with us. As Aaron said last week, he will go before us. And Caleb knew this. Caleb trusted the promises of God. One commentator writes this. I love this. According to Joshua 14 verse 11, Caleb had the fountain of youth. Okay, This is an 85-year-old old man. I'm still as vigorous as ever. Let me have my mountain. 85 years old. Joshua 14, 11. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle at now as I was then. Caleb had found the fountain of youth. Faith. One, faith to forget the past. Faith to forget the wars, the offenses, the failures, the unfulfilled desires. Have you got faith to forget the past, my friends? Offenses, Letdowns. Probably 85% of you have been let down by me already if you've been here long enough. If you've been here more than a couple of weeks, I've probably let you down. But you've got faith to forget that. Some of you have let me down. But we need to have faith to forget that. We need to have faith to forget that. We need to have faith to get over the offenses, the hardships, the losses as the men and women fall by our side. Those that we thought, yes, they can lead us on. They can be part of us. And they lose their faith and wonder. People we love and care for slain by our sides. But Caleb had faith to forget the past. He had faith to face the facts. Do you know the land that he wants to take? Is the land that made all the other ten say we can't go and take it. It's the land which had the uh, descendants of Anak, the giants, those related to the Nephilim. In other words, these were big people. You meet one of them a couple of a uh, couple of uh, books in the Bible later. A man who shouts out to the armies of Israel, "Come and take me on." He's a certain Goliath. Do you know the land that Caleb wants to take? Is that land? I want that mountain. He's got faith to face the facts. Giants and hardship. Have you got the faith to face the facts? And thirdly, he had faith to forge into the future. God will do as he's promised and I will get my reward. Fountain of youth. Faith. Secondly, Joshua was a man of humility. Can we keep going? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Secondly, he was a man of humility. Okay? A man of faith and a man of humility. He had every right to throw his toys out of the cot. 
when Joshua, not he, was chosen to succeed Moses. Can you imagine? He's sitting there thinking, we're the two guys that were faithful. We came back with a positive report. Is it going to be me or is it going to be Joshua? I really hope it's Joshua. Well, I'm not in anymore. It could have been me. I, I, I said the really powerful, passionate things. Why am I going to be the leader of the people when Moses dies? It's a man of humility. He hasn't thrown his toys out the cart. He also could have had the biggest chip on his shoulder driven by a pride-filled attitude regarding his faithfulness while others were losers and faders. I am so faithful. Do you know how often I come to this church? You don't even come three times out of five. You don't even come to the prayer meeting. I am the man. You guys, you guys, you're carrying the big grapes and you're willing to eat the grapes, but you're scared of those big giant guys. So what? You've got to be like me. You've got to be faithful. You've got to be hardcore. Nah. Nah. Humility. He remained dedicated under the shadow of Joshua and fought every battle for the benefit of the whole of Israel. You know why he can have the my? Do you know why he can have the my? Because for 40 years, he fought faithfully for the hour. What if you've got to be here 40 years so you get your my moment? <laughs> faithfully fought for 40 years in humility. Because he fought every battle for the benefit of the whole of Israel. And listen to this. Although we may forget him. Although Joshua probably forgot him until that moment he stepped up and said, <coughs> I want my mountain. The Lord never forgot him. He was not forgotten by his God. And you will not be forgotten by yours. If you're a faithful, humble servant, a day will come. Now, I don't know how to express this. There's certain things Malachi says that just, it floors me that that's coming from his own heart to say how much he loves me. One day, God himself in Christ Jesus will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Multiply the way I feel or maybe you feel when your young son or daughter or whoever says, I love you, you've been good to me. Multiply that by infinity when the Savior says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, I ache for that day ache for that day. You won't be forgotten by your God. He was a man of faith, a man of humility, and a man of devotion. What was the secret of Caleb's greatness? You ready for the answer to this question? Simples. It is not difficult to answer. Caleb had total faith in God and he gave himself utterly to God. Caleb had total faith in God and he gave himself utterly to God. Five times we see this word in this passage of scripture, does anyone know it immediately? The word that constantly refers, Caleb refers to, and that Joshua refers to, and that Moses said of Caleb. What is that word? Wholeheartedly. Whole, I have followed the Lord wholeheartedly. You have followed the Lord wholeheartedly. The Lord says you have followed me wholeheartedly. I have followed wholeheartedly. I have served wholeheartedly. It's a nautical term in the Hebrew referring to a ship pushing straight ahead no matter what. No matter what storm, no matter what comes against us, no matter what the tide's doing, we push straight ahead to the course set for us because we're going to get to our destination wholeheartedly. This is the idea that's embodied in the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Love the Lord wholeheartedly Hallelujah. do you know one thing that the word wholeheartedly means must mean there's another way to love God half heartedly 
by Caleb. Wholeheartedly. This is a life that follows Jesus, follows the Lord with unbending integrity and complete abandon. There's a song by Delirious which just absolutely love it. King of Fools. King of Fools. Aaron prayed two, two times ago at our Unite meeting, Lord, I just want to be a nutter for Jesus. I like that attitude. Most of us are too proud, too concerned about our identity to be nutters for Jesus. Nine times out of ten, I'm too concerned to be a nutter for Jesus, to be wholehearted for Christ. Finally, Joshua was a man of fight. I need to rush. Caleb drove out the Canaanites completely. I don't know if you know this. In contrast to the majority of the nation, many of the other tribes didn't deal with the people that were there and just kind of intermingled with them, intertwined and, and, and had marriages and so forth. And that's where we see so much of the destruction in the rest of the story of Israel. And perhaps they, they had the all too often contemporary Christian mindset, which is we're saved, we're safe, and we're satisfied. Why keep striving? Why keep fighting? Why keep pursuing? The commentator writes this, like many of the Israelites, our tendency is to want peace and prosperity as quickly as we can get it. Not Caleb. I'll take on the giant Anakim, no matter what it demands. I don't care if they're the big heavies. I'm taking them down because God's with me. But we want peace and prosperity as quickly as we can get it. And when we don't get our way, we grumble. But this attitude was as far from Caleb as could be imagined. When I think upon the mentality, the heart, and the fight of this 85-year-old seasoned warrior, I see images of, of Mel Gibson in Braveheart, portraying William Wallace painted in the colours of his beloved Scotland, sitting astride his horse, turning to his motley crew of warriors and shouting these words. If you've watched the film as many times as I have, you're going there right now. I'm going to try to do my Scottish accent. No, let me not, because I'll just destroy it. I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You have come to fight as free men, and free men you are. What would you do with that freedom? Will you fight? Someone interjects, an old warrior says this. Fight against that? No, we will run, and we will live. Wallace, I Fight, and you may die. Run, and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance? Just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. That's who makes me think. When I think of Caleb, this 85-year-old, 85, seasoned warrior. I'm still as vigorous as ever. Simon, I might be 65, but I want to be involved in the team's work because they love me and I'm hip hop and I'm ready to rumble. I don't know. I don't know. But willing to stand and say, oh, I'm 50. I can't get involved anymore. Sometimes I get a back pain. Come on, this guy was 85. Ready to rumble. Ready to take on the giants. Ready to be a giant killer. Oh, they may take our lives, but they won't take our freedom. They may mock us. They may laugh at us for being Christians, passionate about church, attending as often as we can, bringing friends, bringing Christ into our homes, talking about Christ in our workplace, in our school, and so forth. But they may take that, but they won't take the joy we have from Jesus. We will be rewarded fully one day. And the important thing will be, did you wholeheartedly, Follow the Lord. So I finish with this. You too can be an outstanding warrior like Caleb. Hallelujah. Martin Luther, 
once said, one with God is a majority. I love that. One with God is a majority. Are you willing to stand out like Caleb, even if you are 85? There's no age limit on this one. Can I make a note to older men and women? This is not a case of us youngsters accommodating and saying, oh gosh, we have to put up with them. Do you realize we're weaker if you're not pursuing yours? Because yours is part of ours. Diana Chetabra, pray your socks off, young lady. Pray your socks off. Lorraine, you keep doing everything that probably makes this church run. The rest of you, whatever age you are, you do your bit because we're weaker if you don't. We're weaker because yours is ours and ours is yours. That's a note to those of you thinking maybe I'm a little old for this. Let me say these three things. Be Caleb for your own joy. Give to receive. Have abundant life. Luke 6.35 says you shall have great treasure if you love your enemies. In other words, when you give because you're not getting anything in return, you will get great reward. Serve to know joy. God does not promise immediate rewards, but there will be joy unspeakable. So be a Caleb for your own joy. Secondly, be a Caleb for our mission to get us from 100 to 200, to see new ministry initiatives flourish, to see evangelism take place, to see thousands of homes receiving flyers and receiving prayer as you walk the streets. Get in. Be a Caleb for our mission so that we can serve Watford, transform lives and shape culture. And finally, be Caleb for the glory of God to possess the land and to shout out the living and live out the truth of Jesus Christ, defeating the enemy, bearing fruit, all brings glory to God. Worship band, if you want to come up, I say this, be Caleb for your own joy. Be Caleb for our mission and be Caleb for the glory of God. I ask one final thing. I say one final thing. X1 needs giant killers. Are you man or woman enough to sign up? Father God, we love you. We love that the greatest giant killer of all time was Jesus Christ. That as he hung on that cross and he said those words, it is finished. He defeated death. He defeated our enemy. And gave us the chance of life eternal with you. Lord, thank you for those that by faith have received your work on the cross. And now are free to enjoy your victory. That we can participate in the bread and the wine. We can participate in communion and celebrate and in wonder and in reverence of what you've done. We can confess our sins and know that you are faithful and just to forgive us.